I'm Susie Placencia. I'm a cannabis advocate and entrepreneur. I'm the brand partner for Umo Cannabis, California's Mexican-American-owned and woman-led cannabis brand. And I'm also co-founder of Mota Glass, which is um, a leading brand in functional glass that's made in America. Curious About Cannabis is dedicated to providing reliable cannabis science education to anyone curious enough to learn. To get access to free courses and other educational resources, visit learn.cacpodcast.com and become a Curious About Cannabis member for free. The Curious About Cannabis book provides an incredible crash course in cannabis science through over 500 pages of content filled with photos, activities, science experiments, games, and more to help guide you through your personalized cannabis education journey. This book has become a trusted textbook in colleges and universities across North America and is absolutely perfect for serious learners as well as cannabis educators, bud tenders, clinicians, patients, and caregivers. And special thanks to the many individuals, companies, and organizations that have helped Curious About Cannabis meet our mission of becoming the number one trusted source of cannabis science education on the planet. This includes organizations like Credo Science with Ethan Russo, The Conigma, Treadwell Farms, The Spellman Report with Kevin Spellman, The Workshop, Green Earth Medicinals, CBD National, Magnolia Botanicals, and more. Visit cacpodcast.com slash sponsors to learn about our sponsors and go show them some love for helping us spread cannabis science education far and wide to anyone curious enough to learn. If you like Curious About Cannabis, consider checking out some of these other learning initiatives by Natural Learning Enterprises. and unyielding, grounding, yet transcendent. It's a curious thing. Let's explore it together. Isn't Life Curious? Available at isn'tlifecurious.com or wherever you experience podcasts. And now, back to the show. Hey everybody, this is Jason with Curious About Cannabis. Today, I wanted to spend the hour really talking about the impact that stories can have on communities, really at its core. And I'm here with somebody who um, has really impressed me in everything that she's already accomplished and her real mission to bring her skills at crafting and telling stories and helping to shape perception to um, try to reduce stigma in the cannabis industry, both broadly, but then specifically for Latinx communities that have been particularly negatively impacted by the war on drugs, uh, going as far back as um, the days of Henry Anslinger and why the word marijuana was even chosen in early propaganda campaigns. So I'm here with Susie Placencia. Um, Susie, thanks so much for being willing to take the hour with me today. Your background is fascinating to me, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, and my first question is, um, you know, you have a very traditional marketing, PR, journalism background, and just in terms of academics, you know, that's what you went to school for. So walk me through a little bit of um, how all of that training um led to kind of your very mission-focused work that you're doing today in the cannabis industry? Because it seems like it's not necessarily a very direct path, um, but it certainly seems like it highlights a lot of your passions. 
Yes, absolutely. So you're right. I started with a very academic focus and on storytelling. Uh, my first degree was in public relations. I was really drawn towards the business end of storytelling from the get go. So um, I started, you know, in a very corporate environment doing uh, corporate PR and marketing. And what I quickly realized is that while my skills were there, I realized my passion um, wasn't quite there. Um, mm. I think that I didn't realize that until I entered the cannabis industry. And that's when I realized, oh, I, I can be my full self here. I think for a lot of Latinos um, who grow up in academic environments and who want to excel ac academically and in the career space, we are sometimes uh, dealing with uh, identity issues because yeah. the corporate and ad academic um, environment, you know, um, we we then have to hide the fact that we are consumers of cannabis because of the stigma uh, that exists both in the Latino community and in corporate circles in general, right? If you yeah. share that you are a cannabis user, a uh, ca cannabis consumer, your um, your colleagues may then question your skills and abilities or, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So um, that kind of inspires this, you know, dual kind of existence, um, this, yeah. this, you know, Know, and so that is something that a lot of professionals deal with, but a lot of Latino professionals in the, in the space as well. So my corporate uh, career really, you know, involved that duality for a really long time. When I entered the cannabis space, I was able to be more truthful with the fact that I am a full executive in business, but I'm also a cannabis user as well. And so with that came... Um, I think an ability to hone my skills even greater. You know, I was I was an you know already a storyteller, but doing it in cannabis, I had more of a purpose. Also, I dealt with um, issues that really questioned. Um, my own identity. I think that here in the cannabis industry, being a woman is very tough because it's a male dominated industry. Yeah. So I was faced with decisions of do I speak up, you know, with certain situations, or or do I just you know, put my head down and do the work. You know, I was faced with with that reality yeah, more yeah. so in cannabis than it, it's already present in the regular cannabis. I mean, the regular corporate world, but in cannabis, it was more uh, pronounced in that way. Also, um, issues with integrity, issues with you know um, how biz what we do as a business, right? In cannabis. Mm -hmm. It is more pronounced because in this industry, there are still people in jail for cannabis. So when we when you operate a business, uh, personally, I feel that there is a responsibility to answer to the war on drugs and there is a responsibility for representation of, of communities that have been impacted by the war on drugs. So it's, again, that level of integrity that you have to have in this industry. Um, and and I, I decided to take a stand for that early on. And, you know, I stood up to bad practices. I stood up to misogyny. I stood up to racism. And I think that um, by doing that, I was able to uh, get to a level where I was able to attract uh, other partners that had the same level of integrity and professionalism. And that's where we are now, is able to, to align myself with folks who really match a lot of those values. And uh, what I've seen is that when you choose your partners wisely and you really take your time <laughs> and vet them out, um, that's really what sets you up to success. And UMO, uh, we launched UMO just over a year ago, and we're now a top 50 cannabis brand. And, and I, I, that's a testament to the team that we've built at Possible and, and really the fact that we there's alignment. <laughs> yeah, and, and explain a little bit how, how did that, uh, I guess I have uh, multiple questions here because I want to understand kind of how that alignment came about. And I also want to ask about your experiences leading up to that because I know from my own experience in the cannabis industry how many terrible people I have encountered um, companies that lie, steal, just all of the above. And I'm a white male. So, you know, it's like, it's, I just know that there are a lot of people going through some just crazy experiences, particularly in this industry, outside of the sort of norm that you would find um, broadly. So can you speak to uh, maybe some learning experiences that kind of came about? Because one, it takes a lot of courage to plant your feet down in the ground and say, no, like, this is what I stand for. This is what I, you know, recognize as right or wrong and, and how we need to proceed. Um, but there's, there's always consequence to that too, um, especially in this industry. So 
Do you mind speaking? What what was that experience like of trying to navigate the industry, coming into you know confrontation with a lot of these issues? It is a very you know white male dominated culture in the cannabis industry. Um, so I imagine it was a really big breath of fresh air when you finally made this partnership happen and, yeah. you know, things like really came into alignment. So yeah, what did that process look like? Yeah. So I think touching on what I did earlier in terms of making a stance and really sharing, making it public, what your values are, that's really what started all of this. I think early on in my career, um, as I mentioned, I, I came from more traditional, you know, corporate environment. Right. So I worked in, in tech and beauty. And when I came into the cannabis industry, I fully expected that it was going to be more professional and that there were going to be, um, <laughs> right. You're already laughing. Um, there was going <laughs> to be more structure and leadership yeah. in certain areas. So being kind of thrust in the industry and I brought my SOPs, quote unquote, right? And yeah. I brought brought a lot of um a lot of the you know the way that we work and organizational skills and that, you know, I wasn't seeing that. And I thought, well, how how is it possible that you can even create businesses and under this environment? How how is it possible with just just lack of structure. So I dealt with that early on, but I think it was an opportunity because I think that ended up allowing me to bring a lot of those strategies in and build a structure that was that really worked for me. So that was really great early on. Um, but as I mentioned, um, I really attracted my partners. I think in within the the female Latina space, especially, you know, a big topic of conversation is how do we get a seat at the table um, with yeah. these bigger corporations. I think that in my entrepreneurial journey, I can share that I I made my own table, and my table consisted of the mission and the purpose that I have and the values and integrity that I hold with how I work. And so that was, that was the table that I built in terms of the press that I had written about, about my impact before my partners even met me. And also I built Mota Glass. Uh, Mota Glass, like I mentioned, yeah. is a leading brand in American made functional glass. We stand for American made. We stand for supporting the work of local glass blowers here in the U.S. over the over import because import glass um, in in the masses the way that it's happening now it's devaluing the work of American glass blowers and it's also creating uh, it's muddying up the waters in terms of what is American made and what is import. A lot of uh, smoke mm -hmm. shop owners will import um, pieces from around the world and then just slap on American made label. And then the people yeah. who are blowing glass here in the US aren't able then to get what they what they're worth. So we took a stand with Mota Glass and are very transparent in how our glass is made. Um, and we've had tons of press from from Forbes to the LA Times doing a documentary on us. Um, I mean, we've been very loud about our integrity with that. So that was the table that I built uh, in terms of purpose, mission, transparency, um, what in terms of the values that we need to be having as a business that makes profit in this industry. And that is where um, Possible, the team over at Possible, got wind of, of the work that I was doing. Um, they uh, have been in operation since 2017, uh, serving many brands in the cannabis industry by providing high-quality flour. And they were doing great. They were continuing to climb the charts. And because they are primarily Latino um, workforce over there, and the mm -hmm. CEO is also also Latino, he started thinking, well, where are the Latino brands? Where's the Latino mm -hmm. representation here in the industry? And uh, unbeknownst to them, I had been asking the same questions and making moves on my end. Um, with the great success of Mota Glass, a lot of our supporters and fans throughout the world were already asking me, what's going on with the cannabis brand, Susie? Is it coming? Is there going to be a Mota, <laughs> you know, cannabis brand, you know? And, you know, I had my eyes set on that too. But because of my previous experience in cannabis, I know you can't rush these things. You cannot just yes, force yeah. it. And I, and I wasn't about to be doing that. So I continued to grow Mota Glass and build my, con my contacts in this industry, um, knowing that that would happen when the time is right. 
and possible uh, reached out wanting a meeting. And uh, initially, my partner and I for Mota Glass thought it was for a collaboration with the brand because yeah. Mota Glass does do a lot of collaborations with big name brands, artists, celebrities. Um, and so we thought, okay, let's let's have this conversation. And from the moment I first met Jesus Burrola, the CEO of Possible, um, it was one of those moments where you're like, that professionalism is there. The the alignment with mission, vision, values is there. Um, and and there was a certain level of trust. And I think that it's because of the authenticity of that he brings and the authenticity that I've always led with. Um, we knew that we had stumbled upon something that was special and authentic and we decided to pursue that um, and you know long story short we ended up partnering to develop Umo um, they they wanted to create something that was authentic and that was something that was required on my end right yeah. <laughs> so you know it was like this is perfect so we signed on uh, late 2021 and then we launched the brand early 2022 um, I built the brand in the sense that um, the mission, vision, direction. Mm -hmm. uh, I write the strain names. I write the strain descriptions. New SKUs um, I have a sign-off on. Um, but I also, because of my experience in PR, um, I've, I have an, I'm a natural salesperson, so I'm also sell, uh, lead in sales as well. And uh, my, my decade of experience in social media marketing, uh, I lead the social media as well. So it is properly a woman-led brand in that way, but uh, I am incentivized as well. So it is woman-owned. Um, and I think that from my work in the industry, it, this is a, it has the elements of what we have been wanting in this industry. Because aside from being an executive in cannabis, I'm also um, in the cannabis industry and in the cannabis community. I am a consumer. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm, I'm also someone that purchases products as well. So I, I understand, yep. um, the, that this brand was necessary in, in, in an industry of where it's at right now. And I'm grateful to my partners that they understood, um, the moves that I needed to make with this brand and they've supported me throughout the entire process. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's, a, it's really amazing to see how quickly, the brand has grown because I mean I've been in the space since um, the early 2010s or so and so I've seen a lot of brands come and go and a lot of talk about trying to connect with communities and social equity and all these things and so many companies don't uh, follow through or, or like you said sometimes they're just disorganized and so just that disorganization you know um, makes them you know just kind of fall through so it's been it's it's cool to see sort of this shining star of like something's working here. And I'm interested to know from your perspective, thinking about the story, you know, what was the kind of um, early discussion about what this brand story is going to be? Because obviously it's very important because this isn't just a cannabis company, but it's about changing a lot of... Um, social ideas changing um affecting stigma rewriting the story of of you know where the latinx community fits into the cannabis you know um saga you know that's playing out over time and um so kind of where did your head go when you when this partnership really came together you're very aligned um in your values and your mission and everything so then sitting down and saying okay what is our story um, what did that, um, how did that kind of develop and um, what are some of the key components of that story that are very important to you? Yeah, I think the way that I approach story development for UMO, it comes back to my work in journalism. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, earning earning a master's in journalism from, from one of the, the top journalism schools in the world yeah. really taught me the the importance of honing in the historical context of what you're doing, right? Yes. I can't just yeah. say, yeah. I can't just say, oh, we're going to start a cannabis brand and here, this is where we are, right? I have to take it back to the roots of cannabis and understand, first of all, cannabis is indigenous. It has roots in, you know, yeah. it has roots in, in Aztec culture. It was used during, um, you know, the Aztec rituals. It, it, it was, it, it was leveraged during that time. So let's take it back there because the roots of destigmatizing this plant 
we have to remind the Latino community yes. that it is part of us, first of all. So yes. I took it back there and did some research on um, backing up these ideas. And then I took it back to legalization and the root of um, the war on drugs. And so we go back to this word marijuana. And that was the word that was, uh, you know, largely part of the campaign that Harry Anslinger, you know, launched. Yes. And there was the thought behind that was cannabis is this foreign thing that came from Mexico. It is they brought it. Let's call it marijuana to put it all on them. So with this this stigma that that you know really um, affects the Latino community that the the stigma that holds us back from truly embracing all the benefits that this industry has for us, it started really from from this aspect there. So when I built the brand, when you look at our brand video and a lot of our early storytelling that I did, I addressed these two aspects head on. So the, first of all, it's indigenous and it, it's something that's within us. And second of all, the war on drugs did this intentionally to put to blame yes. us. So I started with that storytelling because I think that's important for the destigmatization process to be rooted in truth and history. And, um, you know, because we have to make sure that the, that the people who are still against, calif you know, um, cannabis understand the, that fundamentally the, the thinking is wrong there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that is really what, what, what drove me to have the approach for story building rooted in, in historical context in that way. And then we have to frame it around the opportunities um, here. And the opportunities are, are rooted in career development. So over yeah. at Possible, we proudly employ over 100 farm workers there. A majority of them are of Latino wow. descent. So uh, with Umo, uh, it's important to me folks know that when you purchase Umo, you're not just purchasing flour at a great price, right? You're, you're purchasing flour and you're also casting a vote in this industry. You're letting the industry right. know, yes. I want Latino owned. I want this kind of storytelling on the shelf and I want this kind of brand to be represented. So um, all of these messages um, come across when you watch our content, when you read our press. We want folks to know that uh, this industry um, impacts uh, a lot of people's lives um, and every day and what you what those purchase decisions are actually votes <laughs> they are no that's that's such an important thing to to really highlight every purchase that we make across the board is a vote for something um, in many many ways and it's extremely important for people to realize that um, economics is political like that mm. there every dollar you spend you know you're contributing to certain systems and and things that um, you know some that we can be aware of and some that escape our awareness um, but I think that's such an important point to to drive home and remind people that that um, these aren't just logos but there are people and communities there's there's a lot of uh, other things should be <laughs> behind these logos and um, should be right. So that, you, you nailed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be. Well, there, there are a lot that pop up. It's unfortunate. It's one reason why I try not to be cynical just because of how much I've seen in the cannabis space of all these like just ridiculous brands that pop up, you know, that are trying to take advantage of different things, which oh, yeah. I guess this is a good, good segue into your experience of trying to, actually promote real social equity and community engagement um it seems like a lot of states talk about wanting to do that um i've seen very few good examples where it's happening um one at all but if it is happening that it's happening in a you know a really meaningful way so um i know and, and correct me if any of this is outdated at all, but you start, started an organization called Latinas in Cannabis, right? Um, that was trying to, you know, um, go beyond the work you were already doing of, you know, so much important community building work, but to, to really, you know, on the nonprofit side, um, really try to connect with community and, and get people talking. So can you speak a little bit to that of like what... I guess maybe what should other brands, um, what should they be paying attention to of what you're doing and what's going right when they're also, you know, wanting to 
promote communities, connect with their communities, engage in social equity. Um, what have you learned about all of that? Because there's just so much lip speak in the cannabis industry about yeah. it. Um, so it's refreshing to see it like real. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah, I can already tell that you're a real one um, because you're absolutely right. I think that when you are well-versed in marketing and PR, you can really see through a lot of taglines. And, and, and yeah. so I think I'm, I'm at that point. And I think that when I entered the cannabis industry and I was faced with, you know, misogyny and sometimes flat out racism um it was disappointing but after after a while of dealing with it i had to stand up and, and make 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 a stand and it turns out that doing that you know had an impact it had it had a ripple effect yeah. and it had uh an impact that sometimes i still i still don't even see there are times where i go to cannabis uh conferences and events and people i i overhear people talking about you know, a situation and they're like, oh yeah, I'm so glad that happened. And, and, and I realize they're talking about me, but I have no idea that I'm right there. So it's kind of like some like urban legend kind of thing, like certain right, things. And yeah. I, I appreciate that only because people are focusing on the situation and, and the, the learning lessons and not yeah. focusing on, on me per se. That's not important. What's important is the learning lessons behind what happened. And so, and so when I, with Latinas and cannabis, um, that one, and I feel there's a trend with all the businesses that I have started. They all have started with the need and a desire to create representation. So yeah. with Mota Glass, it was for the glass blowers and you know standing up for local made um, at the in the face of mass importation, right? Save the glass blowers is our mission mission there. Empower them. Uh, with Umo, it was really more about the farm workers and making sure that we're supporting um, you know career opportunities for Latinos and we're destigmatizing the plant for Latinos with Latinas and cannabis specifically. Um, it comes back to my experience um, because I was a bud tender many years ago. I was a bud tender in my early 20s. And um, fast forward now, um, Latinas are still one of the, like, I want to say 80%, I would say. <laughs> Anywhere from 60 to 80% of bud tenders are, are Latina. They're still, mm. still uh, represent a large portion of the bud tenders there. But what you are not seeing is the executives are not Latinas. So what's right, the dis right, what's the disconnect yeah. here? They're the bud tenders, but they're not the people uh, leading the company. So what is the disconnect here? And I look back at my experience as a bud tender, and when I was a bud tender, I wasn't mentored, I wasn't given resources, I wasn't um, ex mm -hmm. you know shared in terms of that it is a not career opportunity. So then in turn, I wasn't seeing it as a as a job opportunity. I you know took off and did my my career path and you know wasn't in cannabis. But if I did have that proper mentorship and guidance, you know, it's possible that I could have, you know, gone in that way. Who knows? But you know, my path yeah. is what it what it is and I'm grateful for it. But I think about all those Latinas at, you know, in their bud tender role right now. And I started reflecting, you know, what what resources can I give to them that were not given to me? And a lot of those resources, um, you know, education, advice, you know, connection, community, networking. Yeah, yeah. And so I started an Instagram channel first. It was Latinas underscore cannabis. And I just started reposting, reposting amazing Latinas doing things, whether they were con content creators, artists, business owners, I was just reposting their content. And after a couple months, I started adding uh, editorial to it because I'm a writer, couldn't help it. And I started yeah, doing, yeah. <laughs> doing openers and, and introducing these women and their work and then the community grew and it's massive now and these women are very um very engaged so they will ask for what they want they're like we want in-person events and it's like okay i guess we're doing in-person events nice. okay. and yeah. it has taken a life on its own and one thing i saw was that so many Latinas love to support each other. It's like, it's like a movement, right? Mm -hmm. So I decided to, to um, take, take lead in that. And I founded a holiday for us. National Latinas nice. in Cannabis is September 30th. Uh, the first 
the first time we celebrated it was uh, the 20, 2021. Last year was our was our second year, and this year is is uh, slated to be the largest National Latinas Cannabis Day uh, in history because so many Latinas are, are using this holiday to promote their businesses, to promote themselves, and because of the trend of the cannabis industry, we're seeing that so many Latinas um, have more businesses now than ever. So they've taken this holiday to really promote themselves. And part of the call to action there with National Latinas and Cannabis Day is support yourself, support your girls. So yeah. on this day, um, you, you will see this coming year, 2023, you will see so many Latinas uh, posting pictures of themselves and their businesses. And it, it's a beautiful thing, but we're making waves because we do, we do have press on the holiday already. And, um, it, like I mentioned, it's taken a life on its own. Uh, what's great is it, it does kind of operate um, alongside Umo and Mota Glass because yeah. it's all representation. It's all... Exactly, it all fits. It's all it all helps each other out. And of course, uh, Latinas and Cannabis, part of our mission there is free promotion for Latina-owned businesses and projects. So if anybody wants any kind of free promotion, they just tag and we go ahead and repost. And it's all free for Latinas. Nice, However, yeah. if you are a business looking to tap into our community, we do sponsorships and we we worked with uh, a lot of brands that have wanted you know our community and they're very welcome to sponsor and then those funds i'm able to then hire latina creatives nice, to help me execute yeah. it's it's all coming back to the latinas and um i'm excited to grow that business particularly because i think that it's going to give a full-time or potential couple full-time careers for some women that are going to love doing full-time latinas and cannabis work and that's my ultimate goal to create full sustainable careers for our people yeah. and women and and that's what i'm doing with all three businesses well and it's it's cool you know uh, the early part of our conversation you mentioned that you know for your career path you've had to make your table you've had to build your table and um you know, in this way, you're sort of um, building tables for the community, you know, like being able to create avenues, pathways for people. And I, I wanted to ask you, you know, some of this work of, of bringing attention to people in the cannabis industry, do you run into some internalized stigma of just, um, particularly for Latinas, you know, are they at first afraid to talk about cannabis use or to sort of make it known that they're trying to start cannabis businesses or anything? I've, I've heard you speak before of, you know, that it's, it's something that you personally had to deal with of uh, just your own sort of internalized battle of like, is it okay to let the world know um, that this is what I'm into, you know, that sort of thing. So have you, I feel like a lot of this work, particularly with Latinas and cannabis, there's got to be some elements of making people feel comfortable to take on the world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that actually, when I think about it, the channel has actually helped with that. People, yeah. I've had so many women reach out to me and tell me that seeing the channel inspired them to actually post for the first time about their cannabis use because they yeah. see so many other women being out. So then they're yep. like, I'm going to come out of the cannabis closet. Also, I've seen this channel inspire women to finally just go out there and create that cannabis business. Uh, I, yeah. and I get, I get a ton of DMS. Uh, I'm a very, uh, social media friendly brand partner. So I have a lot of folks that reach out to me with their messages and you know support messages but sometimes i'll get some very big paragraphs of people sharing their story with me and telling me that i you know inspire them in some way but i think the channel latinas and cannabis is a reflection of the the many latinas in this industry and um it's a beautiful thing but ultimately it's showing latinas that you can be whatever you want in this industry yeah. you can absolutely be a bud tender and make it to brand owner i did 
you know? Yeah. So I think that that's exactly. the ultimate message that we're showing uh, with this industry, with this channel. But I also, I have a big vision for this, for this channel that includes um, more resources for Latinas. Um, I, I want to build a resource, um, you know, community online where Latinas can go and access, you know, a, you know, anything that they need to grow their business, you know, everything yeah. that they need. But also I have a huge vision of doing a summit. Uh, and that's coming as nice. well. We started nice. doing, yeah. uh, we started doing in-person speaker series called Cana Jefa, where we put a lot of leading Latinas um, in the industry, we put them on a panel. And we did that um, a couple times earlier this year, and it sold out capacity. Um, I couldn't get enough people um, I mean, in the building, because there's so many people wanted to be on this and it's sold out in 15 minutes. So wow, I think wow. that what I need at this time is partners that understand the vision because I'm so busy with Mota Glass and, and Umo at this time that I'm yeah. not able to, but I know the vision's there. And like I said before, you can't rush your partners. So anyone listening out there, any amazing Latinas that want to join this vision with me, uh, we are looking for, for those women that are going to take this to the next level um but it like i mentioned it all it all feeds into the mission of umo the mission of mota glass and you know Mot umo and the resources that we have with that brand have been able to give life to latinas and cannabis because a lot of the events that we've do that we've been doing you know they are sponsored by umo because it's the woman-owned yeah, yeah. brand you know <laughs> so there's a lot of crossover here and i'm just grateful that all three of my businesses stand for something and they're bigger than than just the products behind them yeah no it's, it's all contributing to a um an emerging ecosystem um of of different yeah different brands different different ways that it all fits together and uh, something i'm very interested you know your personality in terms of your entrepreneurship and drive reminds me a bit of like myself just like go 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 find all these projects make them happen um, so I'm very interested to ask you how you manage your energy and time, because I think that is a, um, it's a skill, um, and it, it, it takes a while to, to learn, but you do have, you know, a, a lot of things that you're involved with. So what does your sort of like self-care look like it, to like keep your, your mind, you know, really focused to maintain that passion? Cause even when it's something you're passionate about you know, you still run those, those periods of time where you're edging on burnout and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, how do you how do you take care of yourself while you're, you know, trying to change the world? <laughs> That's a really good question. And in all honesty, this is an ongoing journey for me. This isn't yeah. something that I have an answer to like, oh, this is what you do. Um, right. I, and, and I also don't want to be dishonest and say, you know, I, I journal every morning and, you know, I, I you know, I, yeah. no, yeah. I am yeah. not doing that. Right. I think at this time, this is an ongoing journey for me. And I think that one of, one of, you know, my goals with hiring more people, it's with the businesses in mind because I want to grow them, but it's with my mental health in mind as well. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think that I, have that personality of just go and do it. I think that that's part of, you know, um, you know, it's something that people say about Latinos as well is that we're just so hardworking. You know, there's so many videos of farm workers that, you know, are in the fields and they just have a process of how they're grabbing the lettuce oh and putting gosh, it in a thing. Yeah. Have you seen those messages? And oh, people yes, are, yes, yeah, yeah, they're just like, that's a Mexican thing. Like it's, and it's very much like, uh, that hardworking mentality. I grew up with it. It's something that's deeply embedded in me. And I know that I have that in me, but I'm always guarding burnout. And I think that right now, especially ahead of 420, we're less than two weeks away from 420 yeah. and Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo is a big holiday for, um, for the brand. Um, and I made it that way. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I'll talk, I'll circle back on Cinco de Mayo and our, on our stance for that, but a little bit more about our burnout is is that a lot of cannabis professionals are in it right now. Right now, a lot of folks, and I had to stay, take a step back just yesterday, and I got on the elliptical and I did a few minutes there. Yeah, And that is something that I did for my self-care, for my mental health. 
because I noticed that earlier this week, I, I didn't get up. I didn't stand up for a few hours. And that was, and it's because of emails and phone calls and I wasn't able to, to get up. So thankfully my dog is, has been a big, big help for my mental health because he will look at me and say, nope, you got to get out. You got to get out and do a walk and with me. (laughs) So I'm not going to let you forget it. (laughs) Exactly. And, and I'm very grateful for my dog Taco because he will walk over and he will actually close my laptop on me oh, and he'll, wow. he'll put awesome. his paw yeah he'll put his paws on me and then he'll look at me and he'll be like it's time to walk and I'm grateful to him for that because I it does allow me to shut the computer go out in yeah. the sun you know smoke a little bit of Umo's limonada a strain it's a really pleasant sativa and I'm able to just take a moment and so if, if there are any professionals out there that want that, you know, get a dog. <laughs> that, that's one yeah, way that yeah. it, it'll force you for that. And I think that I look to the future and having more team members to allow me to, to, to help me take the, this mission home and, and do, do more, you know, greater impact. But right now I can tell you that it's an ongoing journey. And I think that going out and getting exercise, um, any pockets that I can, that's what's keeping me going. Yeah, no, that's that's really great. I love that about <laughs> the, the dog really um, forcing you. Sometimes we need that. I know for myself, I can get so absorbed into things, especially things that I'm passionate about, uh, building, you know, the Curious About Cannabis platform and other things, um, that I will completely sacrifice my physical mental health without even realizing it. And so having oh, that yeah. forceful interruption, like, no, like <laughs> I'm going to keep barking or I'm going to shut your laptop until you actually uh, stop and, and pay attention. Um, that is really important. And just to be able to get out of all of the storms and everything and to be in the moment and to kind of recenter and reground. Um, but I, I'm with you. Um, there's yeah. no magic uh, recipe I have found yet. And there are times where I'm like, why am I even doing this? I'm about to just stop. <laughs> you know, like this industry's driving me crazy. Uh, um, we've all been there. I, I can I can acknowledge that. And I think that it, when I have been at those at those breaking points, I reflect on the mission. You know, yeah, I reflect yeah. on the people that have been watching my journey and I can't fail them. Yeah, because I know yeah. that I represent personally as a, as a Latina, I've been I've been able to reach heights through my career journey that no other Latina has reached. And I'm very grateful for that. But that also provides me with a lot of responsibility because yeah. I know that so many Latinas are staking with um, their futures kind of on what I'm able to achieve. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're saying, oh, Susie can make it to top, you know, 40 under 40 list. That means it's possible for me now. So I have yeah. that to answer to, and that's what keeps me going. And then honestly, that's what forces me to take care of my mental health as well. Um, because I know that I have to stay sharp for the many Latinas that look up to me. Also, it also it, um, brings home the importance of being a leader for my team members as well. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. communication is such an important aspect of team building that I need to make sure that I lead with the kind of communication that I require from from my team members as well. So yes, I think that yeah, during yeah. our most, you know, heaviest times right now, 420, you know, I am making sure that our team is responsive to emails because that is respect. When someone asks you something yeah. and you don't reply ever, it doesn't make the sender, you know, feel good. It doesn't make them feel respected. But it's important for me as a leader to lead with that. And no matter how busy I am, I always make sure to respond or, or to, to make sure that, you know, I'm not holding anything back. And it always yeah. comes back with leading with respect. And, and that's part of mental health. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And being that mirror, you know, yes whatever you want to develop, you also have to mirror. Mm-hmm. And there's always these, these feedback loops going on between you and, and everyone else. Um, yes. No, that, that's great. And, and before we wrap, I wanted to make sure, let's come back around to um, Cinco de Mayo. You said you were going to oh, yes. expand a little bit about that. So Cinco de Mayo is, a, is very close to us. Um, but it's important that we acknowledge that this holiday yeah. is not... Does not, did not originate from Mexico. 
It, it was not. It, it's in a very obscure battle that happened. And, you know, in America, the alcohol companies grabbed oh, yeah. this and they were like, we can sell alcohol here. Yeah. So, and we can use Latino culture to sell our brands, right? Yep. So well, let's acknowledge that because we're in cannabis. And I think that a lot of alcohol executives have poured into cannabis. And some of them have good intentions. Some of them have no passion for this, for this plant and are just here for the business. And so they are taking a lot of strategies from alcohol and just applying them with no thought. They're like, oh, it happened here, you can do it here, right? It's important to me as a real advocate to make sure that if that's happening, we are we are doing it in the right way possible. So what, as our stance with UMO, we are taking this holiday back to authenticity we are centering it around cannabis as medicine not the way that that alcohol is right it's not interchangeable alcohol and cannabis is not interchangeable that's a vice this has been seen as a vice but it is medicine (laughs) right so it's important that we reframe it if we're going to take it from alcohol we are going to reframe it and into cannabis as medicine and also buying products that are authentically Latino owned. Let's bring this holiday and center it around medicine and let's center it around supporting authenticity in the industry. Support Latino culture, but support authentically Latino owned. So this this Cinco de Mayo, hit your favorite dispensaries and pick up Umo, pick up authentically Latino owned, bask in Latino culture and support Latino owned. We are having so many events throughout the California state to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. We are bringing uh, vendors, we are bringing tacos, we are bringing mariachis, and we are celebrating Mexican culture and bringing it back to Latino owned. That's, that's really awesome. And that really loops completely back around to sort of the whole point of this conversation, the role of stories and, and culture and rewriting stories and, and taking control of the narrative that, you know, we're all in a narrative of some sort, you yeah. know, that, that culture has defined for us. And so understanding where in the story we are and that we have power to affect how that story is written going forward. Um, is so important. Um, so it's, it's really cool. It's, it's really great work that you're doing really great work that Umo and, and possible and everyone else involved, um, is doing. I'm very impressed with the thoughtfulness behind it all. I hope that it inspires other brands to, um, take similar approaches and really, you know, live the mission. I mean, that's really Mm -hmm. what it is, you know, everything about you, um, I mean, one, your passion is very evident when you start talking about all of the stuff. I can see how your face changes, how, you know, this stuff connects on a, on a deeper level, like seriously. And, um, you know, so all of these businesses and things you're associated with, they're all natural extensions of yourself and your passions and everything. And that's, that's, that is the way that's, that is, uh, the way forward. It is the way I think that, um, I get feedback from, you know, our bud tenders that sell the brand, you know, our retail partners. And I think a lot of this, this, this fandom that's developing is folks seeing representation, folks seeing a mirror and folks yes. seeing like, it's possible to do this. You know, California is, is mostly Latino, right? We have a huge population yeah, yeah. of Latinos, but we happen to be one of the first large scale brands doing this. Why? You know, so I think that the, these <laughs> yeah. questions are being asked, but also um, we're seeing just a cult like following start. We've seen yeah. fans coming into dispensaries and they ask for Umo. And if the if the shop is is like is stocked out or they don't carry Umo, they're running to ask where they can carry Umo because they've never seen an energy behind a brand like this. They and, and it's and it's all it's all because we are very transparent. We we serve them a story. And it's funny yeah. because as a as a as a PR, you know, journalism pro- professional. I have been saying this since I entered the industry. 
But before I had Mota Glass and my other businesses, I was a practitioner. I was a consultant. And I would be consulting on this. And I was not taken seriously. Nope. Yeah. I wasn't because of what I look like, because of my, my age, which it, oh, yeah. I, I present younger, but I'm, I'm in my 30s. And it would, but it didn't matter, yeah. you know? I would tell these, these brands that I was consulting with that this is the path that's necessary. And... And I would try to, to let them know, like, I'm a brand builder. This is what I can do for your brand. And nobody was answering my calls. People, I think if people looked at me like I was like sh- selling like snake oil or something. Like, you should, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should do this. And, I, and no responses. The response I would get was, are you an influencer? Can you take photos? Or we would like uh, you to be a model. Yeah, sure, sure, and, yeah. you know, they always wanted me for that. Um, but I would let them know you have a master's in journalism and nope, no, no, no. It wasn't until I built Mota Glass and I showed the, 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 yeah. the importance mm-hmm. of storytelling and PR and all these things. It, even then people still were like, nah, we still don't believe her. Then Umo happened and the rise that we've seen within this year. And I've had companies that I consulted with saying, oh, I had no idea that this is what you meant. <laughs> now you see now and that you know that's what you have to do and i think that for all those latinas that are not getting taken seriously i hope that they are now because there are headlines now that exist that say latina entrepreneur umo yep. those headlines i've created that for us <laughs> so so that you will be taken seriously <laughs> yeah no absolutely and i mean it's a really it's a really big deal. Um, I totally relate to the sort of ageism thing because I've always had a baby face. So um, <laughs> only until quite, and I don't know, it's a weird thing. As soon as I cut my hair, everyone will think I'm about 10 years younger than I am. Um, <laughs> but I I feel that pain. It's really annoying when um, you're trying to give someone good advice and they think that you're like 19 years old and don't know anything. <laughs> like, well... Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I mean, at the, a certain point, you just have to be like, okay, sure, and then walk away. And that's what exactly. I ended up doing yep. to so many folks. And then, you know mm-hmm. what? I invited them to the Umo launch party. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and sometimes, you know, it's like you, you were saying about having to make your own table. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in life, you just have to do it. And then yeah. the rest follows. It clicks for people after they see it. Um, and... That's, that's just the way it is sometimes. You just yeah. have to make it happen and then show people um, and show them that your words actually mean something, that you were serious. Um, and they remember, and then it, yes. it sticks. Um, oh, yeah. What's wonderful to see is we have – I have supporters that have watched my journey from from 2020, from 2019, who are nice. who have been yeah. watching everything from, from today. And they were like, Susie, you – you literally said this in 2019 and I'm like, I did. And, and they were like, you did, you did it. And I'm like, I did. You can too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just start taking those steps. One yeah. Step at a time. It's going to take That's time, right. but you know, don't, 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 don't fall off and it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, Susie, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed getting the chance to meet you and learn a little more about, you know, just, your whole approach to, to all of these projects. And it's really cool to see, you know, like I mentioned before, I mean, it really is an ecosystem that you've, you've built of all these things that are interconnected and, and that you're still building. I mean, geez, um, you know, there's still so much potential, so much opportunity, um, for the future. So I very much look forward to seeing, um, how things go. And it's nice to know that you did work, um, kind of in the earlier days of, uh, cannabis before um, legalization in California. That tells me you you understand a lot of why I'm laughing and making jokes about some of the terrible things that happen in the industry because uh, you've you've seen that evolution. Um, oh yeah, so, there are times yeah. where like where people because cannabis is interesting where there are the suits and then there are the OGs yeah, yeah. and sometimes yeah. people think that they're separate and so I have been. <laughs> yeah. There are times where. The OGs have looked at me and they go, oh, you're a suit. 
You know, you don't know mm-hmm. anything about yep. real ones. And then I'm like, uh, boom. And I hit them with my experience in when I was in dispensaries in the early days, right? And they're like, oh, yep. we didn't know that. And then the big suits are like, oh, you're a suit. You have a master's degree from a top university. You don't know anything about, you know, um, yep. you know, yep. the, the, you know, and so... I'm constantly big time. Yes. going back yeah. and I like, gotta let them know uh, the truth that I am a suit, but I have OG roots. And I think that that's yeah. what you need in cannabis to, to really make it there. Um, because I, I noticed that a lot of the, the, the supporters, the real fans, they know, they know Susie, they know Susie Placencia, but they know Susie yeah. Greens. Susie Greens yeah. is my cannabis yeah. self. And I have two Instagram accounts, Susie Placencia, which is my professional self and then Susie right. Placencia yeah. is where I'm hitting the bongs I'm I'm going out to the cannabis industry and I think that that's what fans need they need to know that you're real but then the professionals yeah, yeah. need to know that you're professional <laughs> so started to it's a tricky it, it can is. be a, a tricky weird line to walk for a while I mean I I've been living through this over the past several years because I realized as I set my foot into the cannabis industry everyone because I was working on the science side, building labs and doing all mm. this stuff, um, everyone's like, oh, you're a scientist person, a suit of a different sort, kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, a coat, maybe, because lab coat. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, you don't actually know anything about cannabis, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, well, actually, I've been consuming, like, every day since my, like, early 20s. I've been a patient. I've grown. I've extracted. I've done all these things. I just don't talk about it, like, openly all the time because of you know all of these games we're having to navigate to yeah just to to do work and everything um so i i relate to that struggle as something i'm trying to get more open about myself like no actually i consume probably more cannabis than honestly i would I suggest <laughs> i i would suggest that you come out with your cannabis channel then do your you do a, a jason blazes like jason smokes <laughs> yeah. and then do yeah. your thing there so that way people i mean that that's what that's what ended up um, pushing me to do Susie Greens because I was going to these cannabis events and they're like, you don't, you don't smoke, you know? And you I'm like, you can't win with anyone that way. I'm not. I'm like, I can't win with the you fools. So what I ended up doing is that's where, that's where Susie, Susie Greens was, was created in 2019 uh, of just a, a response of that pushback that I was getting. And I'm like, yeah. no, you guys need to get, get to know the real me. And Susie yeah. Greens, in all honesty, is an, a real nickname that I got when I, in my early 20s when I was, uh, and it's because I was such a smoker. I would smoke with a lot of my, my, my friends at the time who were mostly guys because they were smoking as much as me. Right. So we would yeah. be ones putting in five on it. And I got the nickname Susie Greens because I was the because I was one of the girls in the smoke circle, and I would always get to hit the the blunt first. So that's <laughs> nice. and the greens I got the greens. Yeah, you got. So the that's where. Yeah. Yep. So Susie Greens is the most authentic nickname because some it was given to me. So when I started my weed channel to prove to the suits and and all the other folks that I was an OG. I gave it that authentic name. And so that's where my those two personalities come. And that's where I'm hitting the blunts and bongs on the Susan Greens. Yeah. But it's also well, it's, uh, it's also a deep uh, look in, between, uh, in the brand building as well. So for anybody that wants to see the sauce, exactly. Susie yeah. Greens. Well, and it's, it's just fascinating. This, uh, it, it's, it's really important for people to remember, because I think we forget as we get older, that humans are very interesting multifaceted beings and we can participate in different worlds and hold <laughs> all of these interests and it's like you don't have to be boxed into any of these things um yes and yes. it's it's really important for people to uh um to remember that and i know we're, we're probably about to go over time here but um <laughs> I appreciate I really appreciate this conversation. This is really great and it's Likewise. touched on some really important concepts that I hope everyone listening um connects with, you know, these concepts around um sort of where do you fall in the, the cannabis culture, the historical story, dealing with stigma, dealing mm-hmm. with identity issues and it's a juggling what face do I show? You know, all of these sort of um issues. I know there's lots of people listening that are probably actively wrestling with a lot of these things yeah um 
So I appreciate you sharing your story, sharing your um, your insights into all of this. And like I said before, I look forward to seeing what the future holds because there's still a lot to be done. And, um, you know, this industry is still so, you know, in its infancy. Um, it really is. Um, I mean, when you look at marketing and PR, I mentioned in 2019, I didn't see this level of storytelling and now no, I'm seeing no. it. And so uh, I'm excited for what's coming and, and Umo will continue to grow. And my, the vision for Umo is, um, you know how you can go to any bar and you can find Modelo and, and Corona. Right. Right. Yep. They're yep. not, they're not like the Latin, they're just a brand that you see that is, you know, representative. I think that that's where Umo is, is going to be headed. Um, I think that there's going to be the biggest name brands and Umo is going to be one of them, but yeah. we are going to be representative of Latino culture, but we're not going to be the token Latinos like a, because California yeah. is too, there's yeah. too much of us here for us to be the token Latinos. We're representing California and we're representing uh, America because it's it's largely Latino as well. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, California is like a uh, a country unto itself in terms of <laughs> just one how many yes, people, yes. but uh, you know, diversity of of just subcultures and everything else there. I mean, it is um it's representative of more than California. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I look forward to following all of this. I'll make sure in the show notes to um have links to all of the stuff that we've talked about today and make sure people can learn more. Um, but with that, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope that this was a valuable conversation for you. Hope it sparked some good ideas, good questions. And I, if nothing else, I hope that this conversation will have you take pause and look a little deeper into some of the brands that you might be, um, supporting with your dollars and maybe um think more critically about the votes that you're making um every time you buy cannabis and and get to know these producers and these brands a little more and maybe you'll find some hidden gems um like Uma. so um with that everybody stay curious and take it easy i'll catch you next time bye-bye If you're curious about cannabis like me, then get connected to the Curious About Cannabis ecosystem and let's learn together. Visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to join our learning community on our Discord server and you can participate in regular giveaways, dive into the latest cannabis research, connect with certified Curious About Cannabis educators, hang out in our break room with other curious minds and more. Best of all, it's totally free. Just visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to learn more. Or click connect on the Curious About Cannabis app, which is available on Android and coming soon to iOS.